0: They, the messengers of the gospel, must not fear man. Man can do them no harm, for the power of man ceases with death of the body, but they overcome the fear of death with the fear of God. The danger lies not in the judgment of man, but in the judgment of God, not in the death of the body, but in the internal destruction of the body and soul. Those who are still afraid of men have no fear of God, and those who have fear of God have ceased to be afraid of men. All preachers of the gospel will do well to recollect this saying daily. Those are the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor, theologian, a follower of Christ, who despite having the opportunity to escape Germany, he stayed there and worked undercover against the Nazi regime. On April 9th, 1945, he went to be with the Lord as he was hanged for participating in a plot to kill Hitler. Let us have the fear of God always above the fear of man. It is Saturday, February 6, 2022, and today we are going through the news stories of this past week. And in this episode, we will feature the following two stories, a discussion of the country hosting the Winter Olympics, and a discussion of cancel culture reacting to Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> Welcome to LifeRing, a podcast where we strive to provide you with a well-rounded review of what is going on in the world. Between Monday and Friday of this past week, my name is Alex. And on the other side of Mount Vernon, Washington, joining me over the web technologies is the co-founder and the regular co-host of the show, Mr. Vadim Milnik.
1: Hello. What's up, man? Uh, not much. Remember when I asked you how I can develop my Ukrainians? Well, right. I, I took your advice on uh, finding a podcast. To listen to and there's like a there's like these two guys where one is a therapist and one is just like a the quintessential hipster like writer liberal guy mm-hmm. um and they talk about like different like personality disorders and stuff like that like it's it's really interesting okay. it's really helping me to <laughs> pick up on some new terms yeah. and it's cool like really introspective stuff i don't know so thanks for that i guess
0: yeah no well, i'm glad <laughs> some of it was practical and by the way, some of those I, I uh, or most of those I did incorporate like with this learning Spanish,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: I think the top one for me in cementing the Spanish was actually going to the country and spending some time there. I, I felt like that really yeah. played a big role.
1: Yeah, I feel like it would. Yeah. yeah. What's new with you?
0: Um, You know, I'll tell you this. I So I got a haircut yesterday and I feel much better after getting a haircut, you know? I haven't had one in a while. I think this year I haven't had one. Like I had to, I don't know how often you do haircuts. I do like mine a year or a month and, and a half apart, approximately. Sometimes it stretches um, in two, two month territory.
1: But I thought you cut your own hair.
0: Uh, no, from time to time I would. Like I would, I guess, how would you call it? Fix it up?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Not the top, just usually the sides, you know, just kind of freshen it up but that uh, no i month and a half apart but this one last time i had it was like in the middle of october so mm-hmm. got a haircut i do give haircuts to my children just gave one to my brother ivan a few days ago so yeah but but i you know a haircut makes you feel better so Get a haircut. glad to hear it glad <laughs> to hear it <laughs> that's all that's new with me this week besides the regular <laughs> shorter
1: hair ladies and gentlemen
0: yep well if you're new to this podcast uh I do. if you're not new, let me remind you, we have two feature stories that we choose to highlight on any given week. One I get to share in the beginning. The second one is shared by my co-host, uh, Vadim, at the end of the podcast. And in the middle of the episode, we have a section we call Lightning Round, where uh, we go through a dozen of stories, um, current events that stood out in, this, uh, in the news this past week and offer a brief commentary. So let's jump into the first feature story. So let's talk about the Great Kingdom in the East, the country with the greatest population in the world, the country that officially apparently has 56 ethnic groups, where, as I've learned yesterday, 35 million people live in caves. I can talk about that later. The country that builds a skyscraper every three days, the country that has the largest sea crossing bridge of, I believe, 34 uh, miles, they are one of the four ancient civilizations, along with... Babylonians, Mayans and Egyptians and if that wasn't enough clues they're also hosting the Winter Olympics this year Yes, let's address the question of the current state of uh, the Great China How do they call themselves? The the People's Republic of China?
1: I was going to make a joke but I'm not It's too early for that
0: (laughs) Alright So the caves the 35 million people live in caves apparently there's a whole province uh, where people just kind of dig their homes out in caves and Can you imagine? Like, we're talking about millions of people living in caves. Sure, it looks like a house, but kind of like a house. It's dug in the side of a mountain, if you will. Right, kind of like a dugout. Yeah. And it's kind of an interesting contrast between the civilized portion of the world and or, uh, you know, China, and then, like, you've got people living in caves. So, despite all the boycotts and threats uh, to withdraw from Olympics, the athletes still went... It is uh, business after all, and it's about sports career and all of that. And so the boycotts remain diplomatic only, meaning that the government representatives of countries like Canada, Australia, UK, and USA will not be in Beijing during the Games. Now, I looked it up. The biggest boycott of Olympics was actually in 1980, when 65 countries say that or said that they wouldn't participate in Moscow-held Games which at that time was the capital of communist and atheist USSR. So countries like Canada, Israel, Japan, China, uh, the West, and most Islamic nations uh, refused to participate. They even said that Americans would face uh, losing their passports if they completed as individuals You know, during those games. It was pretty bad. The main cause was December 27, 1979, invasion of Afghanistan by the Soviet forces, a war that... Kind of ended in some way similarly to how the USA campaign ended in the same country. <laughs> but that's besides the point. Anyway, so the point is the boycotts, they send a message, a political one, a social message, right? It's a, it's a worldwide message. And so with China, however, I must say that the message was not strong at all. Considering the current situation there the world sort of decided to take it easy i mean really if you think about it but i guess let's start here what comes to your mind when you hear china like what are some main
1: issues i mean aside from all the stuff that you mentioned just i remember growing up and like china was kind of like a and i don't know if this is in the lens of like slavic culture or, or whatever but china was kind of like a joke like mm-hmm. like if there was something cheaply made you'd say it was like chinese or um, you know, it was just kind of a byword for cheap copies of things and and I mean, we see a lot of that in, you know, in, in their development where they would reverse engineer a lot of stuff, which is, I guess, expected from a, like a communist regime where there's not a whole lot of innovation. It's all kind of like state subsidized workers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the sort of thing I would I think that's ingrained in a lot of people uh, in the U.S. as growing up and hearing about China. But now... Um, obviously, all this stuff you listed shows that China is really a leader in a lot of in a lot of ways and it's very influential politically um and it's it's grown it's outgrown its image I think
0: yep and now it became one of the world's greatest powers and it's one of those things where you know you're you're quietly watching something grow and then you realize oh <laughs> I knew it was <laughs> growing all along, but it's now huge it's almost mythically huge
1: yeah in two thousand eighteen the population was 1.39 billion people. I don't know. That that's a crazy realization to me because every, everyone's living like a really complicated life, and you know that's full of you know challenges and learning moments and struggles. And I remember reading a book about missionaries going to China
0: mm-hmm. and
1: how it was kind of like a like a new frontier for them, you know. Um, and obviously, we see with with the communist regime that's that really pushes. Up. I think they're more disposed to like a Confucianism. More ostensibly, they're they're an atheist government.
0: With 7.9 billion people around, you know, we're approaching 8 billion people in the world. That's that's a huge chunk of the world. That's just China, which is again, it, it wouldn't be that bad because numbers is not all that matters in the end. It is the ability of that country to pose themselves, you know, on on the world stage with you know military power and so on, and and know their stuff and you know dominate the economy. But USSR at that time, just like China today. Um, were still persecuting Christians, not at full force, but they did their work. China today openly continues to do so. One of the paradoxical effects of the persecution is that, of course, the growth of church, right? So in the last decade, apparently, the number of Protestant Christians went from 22 million to 38 million in China. And that's according to the government's count. The true number, if you count all the underground churches, and this is according to economists, is probably around 50 million total So that's the first aspect. I want to talk about the Christian persecution. And uh, the second part of it is the government part. Now, until now, there are only five countries that can be counted as communist. China, Cuba, North Korea, Laos, and Vietnam. Well, China, I guess, being the biggest and longest standing communist countries, because before that, it was, I think, before a few years ago, it was tied with with Soviet Russia. But uh, now they've been around longer than USSR has been. So... Currently, the Communist Party is at the helm. As a result, the country is suffering under a totalitarian government. And if the totalitarian government relied on scaring people into complying and using force to have people turn on themselves, today, the technological progress allowed unprecedented surveillance. And now the totality of control is possible in a new way. And so when we talk about Orwell's 1984, well, now it is part of the Chinese citizen's life, like, in reality.
1: Yeah, um you're right you're definitely right to say that a lot of it seems far-fetched just because it's so it's so distant from us and we're not really in the know I mean we know a lot of stuff that they want us to know about the workings of it and mm-hmm. uh, you know you can go in there and, and observe some things but um at the end of the day it's so far off from what we are doing like a lot of the stuff you see it's almost like you almost can't really believe it where are you know you're driving down this, the highway and then you have all these cameras like taking pictures constantly constantly um you have that social credit system right that's what i think is a big identifier for a lot of people living in the us where they think about china it's like oh okay we're becoming like china if we establish something like that right and so that makes me think of the i guess just the vaccine passport system That they're trying to implement a lot of the more progressive politicians I would say and I mean you see it you can see kind of in Canada which is more of a becoming more of a midpoint I guess between the US and China where you're in that system you have that QR code whatever and it can update you Uh, it can update your status as a uh, an acceptable member of society or as you know scum I can see that as being a harbinger of whatever China is today however I don't really know enough about it to say definitely but I do I do think that the idea of being in a system that updates your status and then seeing how you know people of a lower status are mm-hmm. vilified and then people of a higher status are seen as some uh like moral superiority and and generally like oh that's a good citizen you know um I'm working at an Amazon warehouse right now um mm-hmm. and we're installing camera systems and it is there's some areas where it's literally like every few feet. I, I can't even give you a number on how many cameras are in are in that warehouse, but it's it's in the hundreds. Like every single corner, every single square foot, pretty much. Is, it's just such a good cost benefit. It's such a good return for what you pay to install them because you essentially eliminate liability. Right. As far as like court cases and things like that go.
0: And then there's COVID. Whether it was intended by China to happen or not, it is here. And it was from Wuhan, and now we're all in a new era since 2019. You' got lockdowns, cases, deaths, vaccines, freedom protests, and it all began there. So you know, I don't know how we just kind of close our eyes to the fact that the fact that all of the issues that we're having right now in the world came from there. Maybe it didn't originate with the Chinese government alone, but it is what it is. And um, well, the Olympics opened up this Saturday. According to NBC News, with temperatures, and I'm quoting here, with temperatures appropriately below freezing in the Chinese capital, the ceremony began with an opening sequence focused on youth and spring. The Olympics start on the fourth day of Lunar New Year, China's biggest holiday, which is also known as Spring Festival. They went on to say the Winter Olympics are far smaller than the summer edition, with about 90 countries attending the Beijing Games, compared to more than 200 that sent athletes to Tokyo last year. Many countries in Beijing are represented by single athletes, including Albania, East Timor, Ghana, India, Saudi Arabia, and Uzbekistan. And of course, the biggest showing is from countries like U.S., Russia has a big presence, and some of the other Western countries. And so China was number 17 on this year's 2022 world watch list, which ranks countries of the world according to the danger level for Christians. So consider the reality that while we are in comfort, our brothers and sisters lives is on the line today just because they have decided to follow jesus if you have it on your heart to donate to organizations like the voice of martyrs you can find them at persecution.org uh, it's a great way of reaching out to those isolated communities it's one of the organizations that we contribute to personally uh, they just have a they're they're great at reaching out to those isolated Communities, And if you enjoy the sport or entertainment aspect of the Olympic Games, do remember that a large percent of the church is still suffering in China. So take this opportunity to pray for them. Because as the world pays attention to China and all the games, what they will not be noticing is the silent persecution going on behind the scenes. All right, welcome to Lightning Round, where we get to take a look at the dozen or so stories that... Um, were in the headlines this past week and are interesting. We kind of tried to go different categories and present them to you in these short headline kind of style and then we comment on them just from our own perspective as two Christian guys. Here's a um, headline from New York Times. The United States has acquired intelligence about a Russian plan to fabricate a pretext for an invasion of Ukraine using a faked video that would Build on recent disinformation campaigns, according to senior administration officials and others briefed on the material. So basically, this official, what was his name? Um, Ned Price, the State Department spokesman, he uh, stood up and uh, talked about that they gained this information, they have some evidence that Russia is fabricating a video, which shows an attack of Ukrainian forces on Russia, which then they would send out, I don't know, on all the social media and use it as a pretext for for an attack
1: right I, I also heard something about like uh like they would have a like fake a fake funeral procession or whatever and filmed that as well right <laughs> there was right. all, no, all of it was, maybe that was uh, unrelated
0: maybe that was part of the same thing the funny thing is there was another guy in the video that was pressing him and he's like all right so where's the evidence he's like well i'm presenting it to you right now this is like the official statement he's like no i want to see the evidence do you actually have this he's like well, you're going to get the transcript of this talk that I'm giving to you. Like, this is us declassifying it and releasing it to you that we have information about this. He's like, yeah, I understand that, but we can't really go off of that, you know? Like, is there an actual video? Where'd you get it? And An interesting point is that he was like, yeah, I I can believe that that's a real thing, and it probably is. I just don't see the evidence. And uh, they kind of had, it's an interesting video to watch, but yeah, Mm -hmm. so there's that. And then You know, on top of all this, uh, according to Associated Press, President Joe Biden is ordering 2,000 U.S.-based troops to Poland and Germany and shifting 1,000 more from Germany to Romania. All of this to demonstrate that America is committed to NATO's eastern flank. And I don't even know if it's a conflict at this point. Maybe it is a conflict at this point. But to be honest, it just seems like there's just way too many people involved and everybody is just talking at the same time.
1: Yeah, they're essentially doing the same thing Russia is doing where it's, you know, let's get troops over there and then hurry up and wait, which is bad for the economy. And it's bad for the morale of the troops, even if they're just sitting around, not doing anything, but um, it is kind of the same tactics. Yeah. So in the, in the category of COVID, uh, there's an article from the Associated Press that talks about strained U.S. hospitals looking for uh, foreign nurses amid the visa windfall.
0: Although I get the fact that like visas are stopped and maybe the Mm -hmm. processing has been slow. Like, let's not ignore the fact that medical workers were forced to vaccinate and many decided to take a stand against this specific vaccine. They were fine with all the other ones. I I thought it was kind of interesting. Strained US hospitals seek foreign nurses. Well, of course, foreign nurses will be vaccinated and will comply with everything. And so it's like,
1: I was talking to a friend of mine that's um, that listens to this podcast, and he's he's in the National Guard, I believe, as a medic, Um, and so they were stationed out in San Antonio, and they got like, um, they were, well, he says they were essentially promised that they could leave the base if they got vaccinated. So you know, San Antonio is a big party city and stuff, so that was like their motivator, and then. Two weeks later when cases started going up they took away that privilege from them so they they all got vaccinated pretty much for uh yeah
0: according to rasmussen reports uh half of the voters believe that president joe biden should be impeached and nearly as many think that the republicans will do uh just that if they win a congressional majority in midterm elections now they basically have these uh survey this is a phone survey where they called you know a bunch of registered voters and um surveyed them so 50 percent uh, believes that he should be impeached i mean that,
1: that's all well and good but like at the end of the day what's what's an impeachment gonna do right we'll have a new president yeah well, kamala harris
0: it could be a plot twist like you said and so if, if kamala steps in then we're not really gaining much and so mm-hmm. I guess this only gauges the fact that people are displeased with Biden's um, work so far, not surprisingly, yeah. but doesn't mean that <laughs> impeaching
1: him will yeah. solve these problems. We hear you loud and clear half of America's voters. So this next story has to do with the with economics. Uh, the u s national debt has topped thirty trillion dollars, according from an article. Uh, From the New York Times, America's gross national debt topped $30 trillion for the first time on Tuesday, an ominous fiscal milestone that underscores the fragile nature of the country's long-term economic health as it grapples with soaring prices and the prospect of higher interest rates. And that's just what we needed, I suppose.
0: (laughs) And the interesting thing is uh in the in a more liberal leaning articles you'll find that Trump is blamed uh because of his last years what was it uh something yeah right?
1: it was it was 2.3 trillion dollars and it was the the one where you get the $600 stimulus check i don't right. remember what it was actually called right. though
0: what's worth mentioning is that you know this year Biden also added to the debt by pushing forward you know his 3 trillion dollar yeah. plan if, and stuff if
1: we're looking is- at if we're looking at debt per year <laughs> Right. and Biden's uh, very far ahead.
0: Yep, and so <laughs> exactly, and so he pushed, you know, under pretense of this COVID bill, a bunch of social, you know, changes in there. So it's like the comparison wasn't that great, but between how Trump affected the the that the and how Biden did, but I guess the main point here is that uh, although we, this thirty trillion dollars, which is thirty thousand billions is I guess what it looks like. I, I was trying to understand like the depth of it. It's 30,000 billions. Um, and I guess when you look at this $30 trillion debt, what you want to compare it to is to to the GDP of the country with the, the gross domestic product, which is the total monetary or you know market value of all the finished goods and services produced within the country's borders in a specific time period. And when you compare that and then you look at the debt ratio, I, I I like this explanation, right? Um, for example, for a person who makes a hundred thousand a year to get an a hundred thousand loan is easier than for a person who makes twenty thousand a year, right? So you know you're not in trouble when you know your income is great and you know you you're able to get that loan and debt to I guess income ratio. or in this case, when we look at a country, apparently, we're doing pretty well in terms of our GDP in relation to the amount that we have borrowed. I still don't know how they're paying it off, but uh, apparently that's not an issue. Trust the economist. So in the news on uh, gender issues, uh, USA Swimming addressed a growing controversy, um, according to Christian headlines, within its sport basically releasing new rules on this Wednesday that place major new restrictions on male-to-female transgender athletes due to what the organization calls, quote-unquote, competitive advantages for male swimmers. Now, the controversy was ignited by the success of this Leah Thomas, who swam on men's team for three years before deciding to swim on women's team, this season and thomas at this point has broke multiple records and was on pace to challenge uh for titles in several events at the ncaa championships in march 16th and 19th at georgia tech so now at this point they basically came out and said hold on and i think it was um the same person who was like outpacing everybody else in the pool did you see that video
1: no, but I I just saw a picture of the of the dude. I mean, like, you swam on the men's team for three years and now yeah. you want to join the... Like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I've said it once and continue to, I suppose, that, like, if this is something we're committed to, why don't we just make all sports co-ed? That way you get the eraser of, uh, of women's achievements and also allowing people like leah thomas to compete where they feel represented i guess two birds with one stone
0: this is what bothers me this whole dichotomy of you know we care about gender we don't care about gender (laughs) we care about women uh we don't care about these women right if it's this guy who says he's a woman then you know he's a woman but if he's beating these ladies in sports, then now all of a sudden let's change, you know, they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot with the whole thing. And so at least it's interesting to see that USA swimming has some sense to say, you know what? And, And by the way, the changes they made were like, they dropped the levels of, what is it they're looking for? Testosterone, I think. Oh yeah. Testosterone levels. Yep. So basically they, they lowered the levels of testosterone in your system, uh, continuously for at least three years prior to when you're, you know, deciding to compete. So at this point, you basically have to be a womanly man for three years before you can participate as a quote unquote transgender woman uh, in in the sports.
1: Uh, our next category is Christian news, and this headline is from uh, Christian headlines. Uh, so it talks about Hillsong's uh, Brian Houston. That is stepping down as global senior pastor, and so um, he announced this that you know he's stepping down so he can fight charges that um, that he was complicit, I guess, in um, like sexual abuse crimes that his father committed. In last August, New South Wales police uh, they charged Mr. Houston with concealing crimes that his um, now deceased Frank Houston, his father, uh, committed. So he was accused of uh, abusing a, a young male in, in the 1970s. Now, Houston denies the charges, but still he stepped down from his roles, I guess, un- until things clear up. I don't know.
0: That's that's what I was... Th- so I, I think the story is worth mentioning because it is you know something that uh, other news networks will jump on as well and kind of try to poke holes at. But it seems like this is something like, okay, happened way back in... The, we're talking about 1970s, right? Something they dug up from the past and really trying to place something on Houston that is his father is, I guess, responsible for.
1: I think it's actually good, like in the sense that the message that he's trying to send, because there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of covering up that happens like in the Catholic church with right. all the um, scandals that happen and things like that. And so people are very critical of the way that, you know, that was handled and that it actually creates an environment where that's, um, people that are looking to get away with that feel like, you know, that's the place for them. And so, um, I think it's good.
0: Yeah, and, and and you know he had a meeting with his uh, board, and and you know they agreed that while the investigation is ongoing, it's probably a good thing too. Yeah, I, I guess it's a good, it's a good display of of, of leadership. All right, and um, tragic news of this week, uh, and I don't know, it, it's tragic to begin with, but I hope that everything goes well because it's a still ongoing situation. But according to CNN. Moroccan rescuers are continuing rescue efforts to reach a 5-year-old boy who is trapped in a well in the north of the African country. Basically this child only identified as Ryan, or Ryan, Ran, uh, fell into a well. That's like I don't know, it's very small hole, probably like 45 inches in diameter I think is what they were saying. So he kind of slipped into oh. the tiny well and not a you know, not a single rescue worker can fit in there and uh he's been there since oh boy i think since four days
1: so they're yeah it seems like they're like they're digging down next to the well and then they're gonna dig across to where they can reach him i guess he's not like he's not able to like cooperate with them
0: well i mean think about it five-year-old trapped about a hundred feet below the ground Mm -hmm. or at least that's how yeah a hundred feet below the ground and he's been there for what did you say four days right and they've been lowering the food and water so far, and the parents think is going to be all right. You know? And their major, I guess, fear is the collapse you know, or some kind of landslide because of all the digging they do on the side now. they got heavy machinery, and they're, like you said, digging from the side and then reach horizontal. There is a helicopter waiting to take him to the hospital, and there's a ton of people gathered around that are supporting this whole operation, and mm-hmm. we'll see how this one develops. Prayers for the family.
1: Yeah, so this next story is um, in the police category. Um, The Star Tribune posted the article, and there's also a video of uh, of body cam footage. Um, The Minneapolis police uh, going into an apartment. There's, I guess, they have a no-knock warrant. Um, It kind of shows the officers uh, walking in, and they close in on 22-year-old Amir Locke. They have their guns drawn, and so uh, when he kind of like comes out, like they woke him up, and he comes out of his blanket with with a gun in his hand, and they and they shoot him. You I mean you see you see comparisons to like the shooting of Brianna Taylor and things like that but I don't think this was this wasn't like justified at all. And I, I don't know if they were even I don't know if you can say they were acting in good faith.
0: That's um, the thing is that they probably didn't expect this to be any uh, again it's not like they planned to mm-hmm. for this to go this way obviously. But as they did they probably realized their mistake. First of all they did show I mean usually a no knock warrant would be something like when you have a violent situation a, vi- a very violent warrant where you know there's guns involved you know or a lot of guns or you have a hostage situation then in that case they're allowed to just you know barge in because they want to minimize casualties and and danger to the public and all of that. In this mm-hmm. case, it's like they, they're also supposed to identify themselves prior to crossing that line when they enter into the building. And in this case, they were uh-huh. entering and shouting at this point, already you open the door, you know, they're in. And he was in a lawful possession of his firearm. And next thing, you know, yeah, you just, I mean, imagine being startled in the middle of the night. You have no idea who just broke into your house. So definitely <laughs> an unjustified killing. And as a result, it will have, uh, there will be a public outcry. As the week progresses, we'll see how it develops. All right. According to the Sun, uh, all across the country, winter storm Landon, as it has been named, Landon, Landon. What kind of name is that? wreaked havoc on Friday, dumping a foot of snow in parts of Northeast and causing major traffic and electricity problems throughout Texas, Alabama, and Tennessee. Uh, they're also saying that it that uh, it caused over three hundred thousand homes and businesses uh, from Texas to Ohio to lose power. Uh, that Tennessee was having the most power outages. The storm started a deadly tornado in Alabama on Thursday. Reportedly killed one person,
1: critically injured three others. Yeah, apparently it caused uh, Interstate 10 in Texas to shut down. Yeah, I saw, I saw news reports of, you know, hundreds of drivers sitting in traffic for a few hours, right? Like something like four hours um, sitting outside of San Antonio. I mean, there's things like flights got canceled, um, over a 1,000 flights just in the Northeast region. And on 11 a.m. Friday, um, over 4,000 flights in the U.S. had been canceled because of the conditions, the snow and the ice. According to news.artnet.com, there was an artist who placed a cube made out of $11.7 million worth of gold right in Central Park. And it's been protected by its own... Uh, security detail um although the work is not for sale um so it's it weighs 410 pounds yeah
0: it's like literally a cube
1: of gold i
0: don't know what's artistic about that at this point what the 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 artistic display of your
1: wealth well he named it uh he says it's built as a conceptual french word that means uh base of the world you're not gonna try and pronounce that no (laughs) so clear to all um but i mean that's that's the thing about modern art right is it's if you can get someone to talk about it and discuss what art means, then that's like mission accomplished
0: tech world um was shocked but I don't know if they were really shocked or not, but apparently we just seen a historic plunge in stock price of facebook parent company um, mm. meta uh the drop was a twenty six point four percent, which is a ton it wiped out mm-hmm. a 238 billions uh, in market value 238 billion in market value that's more than yes. a lot of the that's companies crazy. combined as, as, of course uh, as a result all the other social media companies including Twitter and Snap also fell it's just kind of a what, a domino effect or a trickle if i don't know ripple effect it affects everybody mm-hmm. eventually but i wonder if it's yeah cause meta has been or the metaverse has been bringing in some money people have been spending an an unreal amount of money on nfts and buying uh, property in the virtual world but at the same time it's not it hasn't exploded i guess as maybe people expected
1: what we're seeing is a reflection of i guess like shareholders and what they and their paranoia or how confident they are in facebook's future i think that facebook's membership numbers have been on live support for a while and just because, like, in the West it hasn't been really growing, but it's, you know, because all the all the Asian developing countries are, you know, everybody's getting Facebook. And now that that's kind of slowing down, they're having like a, they're having like a wavering moment before like, maybe it could start plunging even more. Yeah, this is a big hit. I it don't know. Is.
0: It's more than 25, it's more than one-fourth. So, uh, here's the space story. Not a big one, but North Korea apparently launched a missile and took photos of, from it, from space. I guess they combined the space exploration with their, their usual missile testing, and so they took photos mm-hmm. of it. And now it's you know now it's a science project and not a military uh, activity. So it went up into the air about thousand two hundred forty miles before landing in the Pacific Ocean. Oh, and of course it took a picture, and it's called Huasong Twelve.
1: Uh, is that really space news, though? Because they it was on space.com Twelve hundred miles. I guess, yeah, well, they made it. Congratulations are in order.
0: All right, well, that's it for today's Lightning Stories. Uh, now let's get to the story that Vadim prepared for us.
1: So uh, cancel culture is a pretty interesting phenomenon. I like gauging people's reactions to it, you know. Uh, when it's someone they are politically aligned with, um, it's you see frustration and there's calls for nuance and, you know, this is getting out of hand um but when it's someone from another camp even if you acknowledge that like hey this this situation you know doesn't need to ruin somebody's life but there's still the justification of like you know we have to stick to our principles i'm going to try to be as fair as possible in in commenting on this um but this is a story that's like like people are talking about a lot um so there's a very popular daytime talk show called the view um which I don't know if our listeners are familiar with it, but there's, it features hosts like, uh, Joyce Behar, Bear, um, and Whoopi Goldberg and other people were not going to remember, even if I listed them for you here. Uh, they had a segment last week about schools banning books, uh, in, in quotes, which, um, why is it in quotes? Because of course these particular books are not being banned. Um, but, they're just being moved around in the curriculum of required reading and, you know, certain age groups. So they decided, like, hey, we need to move this up into, uh, you know, more mature kids and stuff like that, um, at least in these specific situations. So they, they were talking about in Washington, there was a school that banned uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. And in Tennessee, a school banned the graphic novel Mouse. Um, have you read either of these?
0: The To Kill a Mockingbird, I just actually, I, you know, what's funny, I listened to an uh, audiobook version. While driving through mm-hmm. Texas last year in January, uh, and I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a nice. I, I don't see a reason why they would want to cancel it. I haven't looked into what the reason is. Do you know?
1: Um, kind of. Well, I, I'm going to focus more on Mouse. Okay. But the To Kill a Mockingbird was basically there was like a African American student that was that felt uncomfortable with some of the language that was used. So they used the n word a lot in, right, right. in that book. And it's 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 like a message about racial um, inclusivity and uh, well, I read it a long time ago, so I don't really remember. But the, the what they ended up talking about more was mouse, which is a um, which is a graphic novel. And I read it a long time ago also, so I can't really um, retell it in a way that's would be edifying. I, I don't think I was really old enough to process a lot of things that were happening in it or like some of the themes, right? Because it's about, um, it's about the Holocaust and there's, there's like a family of Jews that fled from Germany and to Poland. I think um, it's not something you really read for entertainment, I guess, but the more you know about the world war two history, the more it will come alive for you, I think. Um, So I agree with the school's decision because from my understanding, it is like for, Older people, it is for um, like reading it on a surface level is not going to give you much. I can remember books that we read in school that you look back on and it's like, oh wow, that was like that was really mature. Like there was a book called Persepolis where it's about like the Iranian Revolution and talks about like the CIA's involvement. It's like it's like okay, well we were twelve years old, like why were we required Mm -hmm. to read that, you know? Um, It's but then again, it also does depend on the teacher and how much they bring out those topics, right? but that's but that might be a side note Um, so whoopi goldberg the champion of racial inequity and uh, nuanced intercultural relations uh, she took the opportunity to comment on the holocaust and she went on this kind of short speech where she repeated the holocaust was not about race uh, times three and times four Uh, and then it's about man's inhumanity to man it's about how people treat each other and emphasizing again that the Holocaust was not about race. Um, if you watch the moment it's on YouTube, I don't know if you've seen it. No, I haven't seen the
0: moment. I read the story.
1: Oh, okay. Well, if you watch it, it's kind of funny because you know, the other hosts are uncomfortable, but they don't want to really like get into it. You can hear the the theme song coming on. Like it's, uh, it's about to go into a commercial break. And so it's like, as she's talking and sort of like, okay, when's she going to wrap it up? Um, but long story short, um, What happened was the the president of the network decided that Whoopi needed a break from hosting to think and reflect and educate herself. So she got hit with a two-week suspension. Uh, Keep this in mind, you know, not fired, not disgraced, just two weeks of not hosting on The View. Um, And before we get into the fallout of it, do do you think this was a fair measure to take?
0: Well, I mean, if you're considering that during this time there's going to be an investigation, I assume, uh, then it makes sense you know you're going to review you're going to decide what you're going to you know what's what are you going to do going forward but if this is sort of like a you know a reprimand like oh you said some yeah i don't know when for example when like a news anchor slips up or you know i don't know loses it on the show like is that the kind of punishment they get it depends what they're trying to accomplish with the two weeks i guess
1: from what i see people responding to it does seem like it's whatever the intention was it was received as a like a punishment or reprimand as you say but Mm -hmm. my opinion is that you know what she said kind of just because it wasn't a slip up it wasn't like a it wasn't like an off-the-cuff moment it was obviously prepared as like a closing statement in the in the segment Mm -hmm. um but my opinion is that it it just kind of shows that the lens that she looks through um whenever she thinks about anything is like a uh, you you know, she looks at this purported racial situation in the U.S. and just compares everything bad happening to that, um, like because there's no skin color difference between Jews and I mean, let's say Gentiles, but it's it was, you know, German Aryan people, um, you know because there's no skin color difference, then they should just get along fine. You know, um, thank you for letting us know that you think all white people look the same would uh, but I mean the thirties and forties were a different time, right? Because people were not moving around so much. Um, you know, commercial flying was, was still, was still kind of in early stages and mingling between ethnic groups and stuff like that was, wasn't really happening that much. So people definitely looked different. Um, i guarantee that people were singled out all the time for looking jewish um and you know the third reich definitely had rhetoric this racial ideology that glorified aryan race over any other um that included gypsies and jews and poles um all of which to miss goldberg uh, i suppose look the same um it's not something to get worked up about yeah it's ignorant yeah it's hypocritical to get mad about erasure of black heritage in america and then on the other hand you turn around and do the same exact thing to the jews um you know you would get in very big trouble if you said this about any other racial genocide so uh what comes to mind is the rwandan genocide from the 90s right two nations living in africa in very close proximity to each other and i'm not really an expert on the nuances of what happened but basically um, it, it was a racial uh, it was yeah. it was a racial conflict that was disastrous but then again it's whoopi goldberg right she's she's an actress and kind of a cookie cutter liberal that spends her days making appeals to emotion to boost ratings on the view i don't exactly hold her to a higher uh, intellectual standard um so yeah what she said was ignorant and it could have been harmful in a certain context but i don't think she did it like on purpose like so if if it was a fact check it would be more misinformation than disinformation right but to continue on with the the responses people that work with her on the network were kind of divided. Um, some people thought it was way too harsh. Others seemed to think it was, uh, that it was overdue according to an article from New York post. Um, she ended up walking back her comments and, you know, writing a whole thing on Twitter, um, doing it and, out- and then she did like a video apology later. I think, um, you know, the same rites of passage that will get you redeemed in today's culture. Um, there's a anti-defamation league, uh, that has to do with anti-Semitism, uh, and so the leader is Jonathan Greenblatt, and he accepted her apology, and you know he came on The View and was talking about like, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm glad this turned into a learning opportunity. Um, he emphasized that the Holocaust was a singular catastrophe, but it was motivated by radicalized anti-Semitism. Um, also, AOC, who seems to view herself as some spokesperson for the Jewish community, um, told TMZ that Whoopi was that Whoopi has her approval to be restored. I think here's a quote: I think we really kind of take the Jewish community's lead on this, and they seem to see that her apology was authentic and want to move on. Um, and numerous other examples, right? Bill Maher made comments about how it was actually really insulting uh, for Whoopi to be hit with such a harsh sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, it was almost like people were more intent on defending Whoopi Goldberg's reputation than actually taking issue with what she said. Um, which is not the same nuance. Generous grace you see being given to someone for writing beep boop on their Twitter bio or or for interviewing doctors on their podcast. So was there anything that stood out to you from the responses? So the comparisons
0: between Gino Carano Carano and and Whoopi Goldberg is is what kind of, I guess, stood out because uh, Gina's name or Twitter handle was was all of a sudden uh, trending on Twitter. What you see is a big network, uh, you know, I guess firing one and suspending the other one for two weeks for pretty much a similar topic, right? I mean, in both cases, like... She compared, uh, Gina Carano compared uh, Jewish concentration camps to uh, the recent, I think, lockdown measures um, and what the government was doing in, in some sense. And so, again, and it was over Twitter. It wasn't on The View. It wasn't on, you know, this national show. Uh, it mm-hmm. was just on her personal private Twitter, from what I understand. And um, so that's the only thing that stood out to me is that this comparison that people uh, flock to, which was, I think, fair. And so what's going to happen at the end of the two weeks will also, again, once again, speak to the whole woke culture and, you know, is it, are they really concerned about what's being actually said on air or are they just concerned about who says it when and uh, whether they're okay with it or not is what truly matters rather than the actual content?
1: It really is eye-opening to uh, who is considered like a protected class, I guess as far as cancel culture goes, and I'm not saying that be deserved a harsher sentence. It, it just shows a huge disparity in, um, in responses based on kind of similar, I don't know the word, based on kind of similar violations, yeah. My opinion is that, you know, if we take it at face value, she needed uh, some time to uh, prepare for speaking on The View and have uh, informed opinions. There are actual examples of non-racial human on human atrocities, and I know you've been reading solzhenitsyn Gulag Archipelago, um, and um, that we can't find a more perfect example of a situation where there's, um, you know, people are treating each other in in toxic and atrocious ways, and there's zero racial factors. Um, I encourage our listeners to look into it. I've read my share of Gulag Archipelago as well. It, it's um, it's really eye-opening. You know, it's it's really tiresome to see everything through, um, how we in America here, like see it through a lens of race. Um, just all this kind of navel gazing that we do. And then, and then we project it onto other countries. But like, these are actual examples. We see tensions between Russia and Ukraine today, you know, zero racial factors, and sadly, a lot of the worst of us does come out through racial ideologies. Um, specifically things like the Rwandan genocide or, uh, I don't know, the Holocaust. Would she have apologized if she wasn't suspended? Uh, Would she have taken the time to really educate herself on these things that even, you know, on a surface level, they're so different um, from how she portrays them? Um, Maybe not. Maybe the suspension was just what she needed. That doesn't make her like a bad person. I just I don't think there was any neo-Nazis waiting for Whoopi to give them the green light, you know. But it's this kind of ignorance that's... uh, it's harmless as long as no one's actually deceived by it. Right. It reminds me of this funny video. Um, John Chris, uh, like a Christian comedian, I guess uh, he posted on YouTube, uh, like this situation where uh, a guy shows up to Bible study and like, he doesn't know anything. Uh, he's just trying to impress and he's, he's saying stuff like, uh, I don't know, I'll give you an example is he's, he's talking about like, uh, you know, it's like Jeremiah says, for I know the plans, right? Well, he does it way better, but he, like, mm-hmm. um, basically, like, he learned a whole bunch of one-liners, and then he's just mm-hmm. trying to, like, use them sparingly and, and try to impress someone. The point is, like, you wouldn't you want to give this person credibility because if you're in the know, you just make a mental note like, Oh, okay. Brother John is not an authority on, on scripture. Uh, like, you know, in the same way here, like if you know anything about the world war II history or the nuances of the things that the third Reich were trying to accomplish in, in the world and um, a lot of the driving motivators for like this big, uh, imperialist, the regime to to do a lot of the things they did, um, you would recognize right away that, okay, like, Whoopi Goldberg is not an authority on, on the Third Reich. <laughs> so, which I think everybody knew anyway, but that's the key, I think. Recognize when you need to take things with a grain of salt and when like people should be reprimanded.
0: Well, that's all for the stories for this week. We are so glad you've joined us for another episode of Life Ring please consider following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. Uh, just type in Podcast. Also consider sharing it with a friend or a family member that would benefit from a weekly overview of the current events from a conservative and Christian perspective. And as always, we would like to remind you that there is no better news on any given day than the good news of Jesus Christ. He died for the sins of the world so that everyone who comes to him would be saved. We encourage you to seek him if you haven't already. Thank you for listening to LifeRing and we'll see you next week.